0: So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm travelling around a lot. My car's actually done 440,000 miles, believe it or not. People can't believe it. Welcome to the Country Life podcast with me,
1: your host, James Fisher. We have a very special guest for you this week. One of the nation's top, top garden photographers and certainly a Country Life favourite. His clients include Lord Heseltine, the British Medical Association, Country Life, obviously, English Garden, English Home, The Garden, The RHS, Nicky Haslam, UNICEF, Condé Nast, Sunday Times, the Telegraph and National Trust, to name but a few. I have with me today Clive Nichols. Welcome, Clive. Thank you. Welcome. Um, Clive, when did you first fall
0: in love with photography? <laughs> um, I think it was when I was at university because I studied um, human geography at Reading University. This was uh, way back in the sort of 1980s, <laughs> and, and I I was hopeless at things like photography. I, I was good at sports, I was, I was always good at cricket and rugby and things like that, but absolutely hopeless at anything technical. Technical, And some of my mates um, were taking like amazing black and white photos, and I thought, oh, I wish I could do that. Um, so a friend of mine, whose name was Justin, I think, said, I'll teach you how to do it. So he taught me on an old sort of Olympus OM-10 how to, the, the sort of very basics of, of photography. Um, uh-huh. And then I kind of got the bug, um, I wanted to travel and take take travel photos, because um, I love National Geographic and things like that, my dad always had copies of that lying around in the house, so I thought, yeah, I'd love to love to travel and take photos, so I worked in, in a restaurant in um, a university, in, in a restaurant called Fads, which was a sort of pizza pizza restaurant, and while everybody else was having fun, I was sort of slaving away there, stashing the money away, uh-huh. and and then of course when the holidays came, I would travel travel abroad and and practice my photography there. I'd come back with sort of exotic photos of Malta and places like this, <laughs> and all my friends would be jealous at university because they'd been sort of living it up but not not saving any money. So yeah, well, I've sort of come
1: to reckoning myself about living it up versus uh, saving money, but you know, I guess that it happens to everyone at some point in their life it does yeah um so you know you talk about your your love of sport and your love of travel what you know surely you're thinking to yourself well i could become a sport photographer or even a travel photographer what suddenly
0: brought you into the world of garden photography yeah you know, what happened was um i actually <clears throat> i wanted to be a professional and my my girlfriend at the time um jane she was working for mars learning a sort of I pack it for them and she said stop chefing you know go off and try and become a, a professional garden photographer uh, sorry a travel photographer uh-huh. so I thought okay we'll give it a shot um, and so I started doing that and I got some great trips I got I got sent to Malta to Hong Kong I went to the Falkland Islands taking pictures of the, the wildlife there and I did that for a about two years, I think, and I just couldn't make any money out of it. And I thought, I've got, I've got to make this work, otherwise, you know, I'm just going to give it up because it's just too much effort. So one day I, I walked into W. H. Smith's, and I started looking through the um, the magazines. I thought oh, there's a lot of lot of magazines, you know, dealing with with gardens. You know, there was Homes and Garden, English Garden, all these. I thought, let's give this a try. <laughs> yeah. So immediately I switched from sort of travel photography to to um, photography of gardens in England. And I went to Western Westenburg Arboretum, actually, was the first place that I went to. In the autumn, I'd seen some photos in a magazine. I took some pictures, and the next day I sent them off to, I think it was Homes and Gardens magazine, and they said, oh, these are great, we'll take these, you know, we'll pay you X for it. So they, um, and they said, what's next, you know? And so then I went to another garden, I took that and sent it straight into them, and it and it literally just blossomed from there. So overnight, I kind of switched from yeah travel to gardens and i i knew nothing about flowers or gardens really you know so <laughs> i had to sort of build build from scratch really my knowledge you regularly
1: get praised in the uh, country life office for supplying uh, your photographs with the most detailed and up-to-date captions so clearly yeah. something has sunk in over the years and i can tell you it's much appreciated by all oh great but, um just going back to the to the sort of very start where did you where did you grow up and how did that sort of influence your passion for photography, the countryside gardens, that kind of thing or was it really just a case of oh I just, like you said I just sort of had a go
0: at it one day No, I think my my passion for nature certainly was was nurtured by my father who, um, he he actually worked for Woolworths and travelled all over the country and we we moved all over the place actually, I was born in Grantham um, and went to school in Solihull, Worcester all sorts of places and and, but he was always interested in nature. He loved um, birds and things like that. So we always had, you know, stuffed birds in our house and egg collections and nests and things like that. Mm. Uh, so I think that's probably where I got my my sort of love of nature. In fact, one one time we actually opened our house as a museum, actually, um, and and charged money to, for charity for people to come in and see all our all our sort of animal life that we had <laughs> inside our house. You know. Butterfly collections and eggs and nets and all sorts of things. Ah, uh, oh, very cool. I that think that's how I started my my interest in nature for sure. Excellent. So let's let's think about a
1: sort of day in the life of Clive Nichols. I was talking to our gardens editor Tiffany Danef, who commissions you quite a bit, and she says that a day, you know, your day starts at the crack of dawn and often goes, you know, quite late. Can you sort of Say you're going to take a photograph
0: of XYZ Garden for Country Life. What would that, what would that look like? What would that involve? Yeah, so first of all, I'd, I'd obviously contact the, the owner of the garden, if it's a private garden, and then I'd sort of, uh, you know, work out exactly when I needed to shoot the garden. Um, and then I'd coordinate with the, gar- the garden owner. And basically, I, I like to shoot very early in the morning uh, and or very late in the afternoon, early, you know, sort of evening. So you're right. In the summer, you know, I can be, I can be leaving home here at sort of two o'clock in the morning, and maybe driving, you know, a hundred miles to a garden um, for the crack of dawn. I like said for four thirty or five, um, and and shooting it for an hour, a couple of hours, and maybe taking a break for a lot of the day, and then going back again in the evening to catch the late, the late evening sun. You know. So yeah, really long days in the summer, very long. Sometimes I sleep in the middle of the day. <laughs> well, so said it. So does most of Europe, so I don't think you're, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, so what's, what's, the, what's the reasoning behind the sort of early mornings and,
0: and late evenings? Is it just for the light? Yeah, it's when you get the, the golden light. And also, um, it tends to be very still in the morning. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, for everything in the morning, there's, there's very little wind, because that's a massive factor in garden photography. Because if it's really windy, it's very difficult to get shots of gardens, actually because everything's blowing around you know I like everything still so I can put my camera on on my tripod and take a very sort of nice composition
1: well that's what I was sort of I I was thinking I was like surely surely garden photography is you know quite simple compared to sort of taking a picture of a cheetah because you know flowers don't move but actually (laughs) I was put in my put in my place quite quickly by Tiffany who's like no because you know wind etc that the thing with the garden is actually
0: it's moving all the time everything is moving all the time it is and it's also the weather, of course, you because mm. you can't, it's very difficult to take good shots in, in bad weather. So, you know, I'm always waiting, waiting. I'm che- I, Every morning I check the, or every evening mostly, I check the weather forecast. You know, I'm looking at the BBC yeah. weather. I'm looking at Met Office weather for wherever I'm going. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping for sort of, you know, five mile an hour winds and lovely sunny, with sunny morning. That's my kind of absolute dream. You know? In the winter, I'm looking for frosty gardens and snow mm. gardens, you know, so so at the moment, I'm I'm sort of waiting, you know, and when it gets to sort of minus two, minus three, that's what triggers me again to go out and, you know, shoot a topiary garden or something like that. So, yeah, always watching the weather, always watch. You've got to be patient. Patience is the key, really. I suppose, like wildlife photography, I guess. Cause... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always funny, you know, listening to sort of little bits at the end of an Attenborough
1: documentary where they talk about, you know, filming which, whichever penguin they happen to be filming that day and, you know, they talk about getting the shot and only at the end do they realize, sort of reveal, they've been sitting there for the best part of six months waiting for this You it's like, oh God, it must be so boring. But it's worth it for good TV, I guess. And it's very much worth it for good garden photography. Um, speaking of weather, I'm also thinking about the seasons. You know, we publish a garden every week, whether it's the middle of December or the middle of Spring, obviously, yep. you know, you're thinking springtime in terms of, you know, lots of beautiful flowers opening, the garden's looking fantastic, the roses are doing whatever roses do and all this colour makes it quite sort of obvious. What's uh, What are the challenges that sort of working in the wintertime when it can be quite dark, it can be quite cold, everything's kind of gone to sleep? What What kind of challenges
0: does that present? I actually love the winter. I mean, I, I prefer shooting in winter, spring and autumn, actually. Summer is the hardest, believe it or not. A, because the dawn is much earlier. You know, you're talking about half past four, five o'clock, you've got to be in the garden. Whereas, of course, in the winter, it's much later. You know, it doesn't get doesn't get light till later. So actually, in terms of getting into a garden, it's a lot easier in the winter, in a way. Um, and you're looking for, for, for nice days, you know. Like, as I said, difficult to shoot. Like, today is miserable outside. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out and photograph today but when you get those beautiful you know crisp days that's that's really nice and Hmm. and the the light actually is is much nicer than in the in the summer you've probably only got half an hour an hour in the morning of of nice light and then it gets too harsh yeah you get really brutal you know and a lot of people think that just because they feel great in the summer they're in a garden and it feels fantastic because the sun's beating down you know Uh and they think that's when the best gun pictures are taken but they're not that's kind of the worst the worst conditions to take you want you want the low angled early morning or evening light you know so actually shooting in the winter i i actually don't find difficult really i struggle in june july august those are the three months that it's it's very tricky and very tiring as well because you're up early yeah very very tired actually yeah have you
1: considered sort of building yourself some kind of sleeping camper van for your (laughs) shoot
0: there are photographers that do that yeah Yeah. i mean i i have been thinking about it but i haven't got haven't got around to it yet but maybe as i get older you know it could be an option (laughs) absolutely
1: i've
0: i i remember i interviewed a
1: a man a few years ago who's doing something called the life uh lifeboat project and it's yeah he basically is using wet collodion like really sort of victorian style photography and he basically has to drive around the country with a mobile laboratory that he's put into his ambulance because you know he's he's literally got the the hood over his head and this giant great big camera the interesting thing he said to me was you know it's obviously a massive pain in the backside but in terms of the quality of the image you know the actual you will not get a better resolution in any image than you would get from literally the first ever type of photography ever invented which i thought was quite strange crazy um yeah, man does. So obviously you've, <laughs> you've been working for, according to your website, more than 30 years.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: That's obviously taken you to quite a few gardens in your time.
0: What would you say are some of your favourites? And well, what I, I, I would say one of the best gardens I've been to is Hall, which of course was um, Prince Charles's, now King Charles's hmm. garden in Scotland. That was a, an absolute privilege really to shoot that. And What was so special about it? well (laughs) obviously (laughs) because it will have to prove his job yeah and no it was just it was just you know a real privilege to go in there because nobody else I don't think had photographed it for years and years you know so it was it was quite that was quite nice and there are some lovely gardens around here I mean the Gina Price who sadly passed away last year I don't know if you know her garden yeah yeah. I mean that was a real favourite of mine because it's in my village and I, I knew Gina really well and um she would she would let me go around there, you know, whenever I wanted sort of thing. So I could easily just wake up in the morning here and if it was a lovely day, I'd whip around there and, uh, you know, take some photos there because she got amazing light into the garden first thing. so I think some of them have been on the front cover of Country Life, actually. I think you could publish their garden oh, several times. <laughs> and, and then there's another couple of gardens which I go to on a regular basis. Um, there's one called Morton Hall near redditch um you've got an amazing instagram uh feed um <laughs> and i've shot like probably been there 50 or 60 times and um and then a lovely garden called silver street farm in devon do you know that one uh the name rings a bell yeah yeah alistair cameron it's quite you know he's really into wildlife and think and sort of natural planting and that's um yeah i go down there quite a lot as well so yeah there's some favorites um i love photographing in France, you know, Pro- Pro- Provence is one of my favourite places, I have to say. Um, but I haven't been there for a while, actually. Cause because of the pandemic, I kind of stopped travelling, you know, at that point. So it's it's uh, difficult to pick it back up again because you kind of lose all your contacts.
1: Yeah, also, it's it's after two years or whatever it was, returning to the airport and just remembering how utterly horrible an experience it is. Takes <laughs> yes, some, exactly. Yeah, yeah thanks for yeah. getting used to. What like what would you say are the main differences between the gardens you photograph in England and the gardens you photograph in Europe? I mean, in terms of planting styles, layouts, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's more
0: the the weather. Actually, the weather is so good over there that um, you you can re- you've got much more reliability. You know, um, if I go to Provence, I know I'm pretty sure that I can get I can shoot every day, and you know, for two or three days on the trot. Yeah. Um, and, it, and again, it's hitting them at the right time, you know, because obviously by mid-summer, they've, a lot of them are burnt out. So sort of early spring, is, you know, is a great time to go. And I'm doing a lot of photography in Corfu at the moment, so I often go there in April, May, you know, and that's the best time really. After that, it kind of gets a bit hot and everything just gets a bit burnt and a bit dry. <coughs> so it's, it's more of a challenge, but if you go at the right time, you know, you get all the wildflowers and things all, all coming out, so... And reliable weather, so it's a bit easier than England. England's one of the most difficult places, I would say, to take photos because of the weather.
1: Yeah, I mean, just in general, it's quite a difficult place if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> As mentioned, you've been you've been in the garden photography game for a long time. What have you? sort of noticed what changes have you noticed in the in the sort of gardening scene in the past 30 years you know for example are we moving away from structured formality to a more sort of rewilding type of thing you know looking at recent RHS winners for example yeah. it's all sort of a lot more rough and round the edges is that something you're sort of
0: seeing yeah definitely really well you know rewilding and naturalistic planting has, has definitely come to the fore but I would say that you still need, you know, a lot of structure hmm. to have a good garden. You know, so the sort of traditional, people still love the, you know, the traditional yew hedges and box hedging and, you know, st- the structure of a garden gates, st- statuary fences, things like that. You know, it's still still important to have that structure, and although it's got a lot looser, as you said, and um, become more naturalistic and more and more sort of wildlife. You're geared to wildlife, really. I think,
1: yeah. Is that does that present any challenges when it comes to taking photographs? Um,
0: I like I like to gardens that have quite a lot of comp, you know structure in them, obviously <laughs> for my composition. So yeah, um, it is. I suppose it's a looser type of planting, but you know, if you get the right light, you can still make it look amazing, really. Um, and I think there's a lot more well-designed gardens actually now than there were when I started. You know, there's a lot of designers doing great work, really. Yeah. A lot, uh, which is great, yeah. And, of course, Instagram uh, enables them to sort of show off their work. So you can go on to Instagram and you can find absolute top design all, all through England, all through through Britain, throughout Europe. Yeah, yeah. It's great for that.
1: Well, you have, uh, I think you said, 170,000 Instagram followers? Yeah. Um, And obviously we have also many instagram followers where you you and me are both very popular on social media Um, (laughs) but sort of what influence has instagram had on sort of garden design and photography because now it's obviously you know you don't you don't have to go out and buy country life i mean obviously you still should (laughs) um but you don't have to go out and buy country life to sort of see amazing garden images is that sort of has that made life better or worse for professionals such as yourself do you think
0: I think it's made it better in a way, yeah, because um uh, you know I get a lot of work from Instagram, I get a lot of sort of private people contacting me and saying you know can you can you photograph my garden? I get a lot of companies coming to me and saying, You know we love your Instagram, we'd like you to shoot this and that and the other so yeah, I think it's been great for for photographers really, and of course, if you're starting up as a as a photographer you can you can put your work out there and if it's good, you know it, it will get noticed so. Yeah, definitely, it's a, it's a good thing. I'm not sure about Twitter, like you said. I, I steer clear of Twitter. It's um, you can you can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah best keep, best to stay out of there. Yeah, keep out of it, I'd say. Yeah.
1: Are there any sort of young up and coming garden
0: photographers on Instagram or elsewhere that you've you've? Lots of them. Yeah, people like me, Mimi Connolly, who I think gets quite a lot of stuff in Country Life. She's great. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there are loads of lots of them starting up. It's um, when I first started, there were probably five people, five or six doing it sort of professionally. Yeah. You know, there was great, great photographers like Jerry Harper and Andrew Lawson, Hugh Palmer, these sort of people. Have you heard of them? I don't know, actually. Might be a little bit before my time, unfortunately. (laughs) All your time. I mean, when I started, Andrew Lawson was the king of king of garden photography, really. Would you say you're now the king of garden photography? I'm not sure, that. <laughs> sure.
1: We'll, uh, we'll let the listener decide yeah. that we'll let the listener decide that yeah
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Um, what you know obviously it's it's difficult for you having the king you know calling you asking you to come and picture take pictures of his garden you know you must be very busy is there any sort of job too small that you would say no to if someone if I sort of asked you to come and take some photographs of my window boxes was that something you would do
0: and i You'd have to send me photos first. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. here. No, I, I just love photographic good thing. That's what I like doing. So, yeah, if, it, if it's great, I'll, I'll shoot it. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Yeah, and you run
1: sort of online, you know, as well as having an image library at Clive Nichols. Uh, I think CliveNichols dot com. Correct me if yes, I'm wrong. that's it. Yeah, um, which has wonderful images that you can go out and buy if you would like. You also teach classes both in person and online could you talk us a bit through sort of without you know obviously giving the game away you know what to expect and some tips from clive nichols masterclass, so to speak
0: yes i mean online i I, um there's a company called my gardening school which you're probably aware of Um, Mm -hmm. and i do a a course on there which you can go on and join and depending obviously depending on what you pay you can either do it without any feedback or you know if you pay the, the the top rate or whatever you can get feedback from me and I, hmm. I look at the images and um do a critique on them so that's, it's quite a nice course uh to do online uh, and then i do workshops i do workshops at places like wisley uh, i'm doing one at bowwood house in wiltshire next october and um, yeah so i do actual workshops which are which are quite nice and so there's usually sort of 16 to 20 people come on those um yeah, I'm actually doing one in Ireland at Passana Garden, Passana. I don't know, you know, I think you featured that, um, which is which will be fun. Yeah, Mother's that'll be my sort of first one in Ireland, really, which will be good. So yeah, it's great. It's great. Is there a sort of certain satisfaction to teaching photography?
1: I mean, sort of think back to when you first started at Reading University. You know, what would you what would you tell yourself as a as a young budding photographer? What are the three three tips?
0: As a young budding photographer, what would I tell myself, or yeah. do you mean
1: what I tell the young budding photographers? Do you well, mean? Well, either. Or, but let's say, let's say you have a conversation with uh, your, your young self. What would you? What advice would you give yourself all those days ago?
0: I would say you've got to be patient. And um, you know, it's not nothing's going to happen quickly with gardens. You've got to be patient. You've got to wait. Um, take your time. Wait for the right weather. And, um, you know, make sure you compose pictures in. in carefully i would say in the, in good light yeah but, but patience i think patience is the secret really and being in the right the right place at the right time so ch- check where you're going make sure it's you know you're hitting it at that the actual yeah peak because if for example if you go to a rose garden you know and it's a it could be good one one day and the week later it could be completely ruined you know and, and hopeless so you've got it you've got to be there at the right time i would say
1: yeah, absolutely. We used to have uh roses growing out the front of my parents' home in London, but they was we had a big problem with people stealing them.
0: Did it? Yeah, worry. yeah.
1: Yeah, no. In in Battersea, in southwest London, someone will be coming past doing the school run and they'll hop out of their Range Rover with their second doors. <laughs> Before you know it, they're all gone. It's unbelievable, I've really.
0: Heard, I've heard that sort of thing going yeah. on. No, I've seen it happen. My mum used to she used to drive my mum a... absolutely mad. Mm. Wasn't there somebody who had a banana tree or something? I saw once I think on on the news had a great big tall, you know, moosa or something, and somebody came and cut the whole thing down or something, <laughs> or pulled it out, you know, by its roots, and took oh, it away in gosh. a truck or something. You know, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, It's terrible. Yeah, it's the wild west in the capital. I would, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wouldn't happen here. That wouldn't happen in Wardington. I am in Oxfordshire, a nice nice little village here. We don't get that. No, absolutely. Everyone everyone knows each other. Everybody knows each other. Yeah, they really, they really would nobody th- would dream of doing that yeah <laughs> so um i believe you've also recently had a book out called
1: brilliant english gardens yep um which i imagine does what it says on the tin which is provide photographs of brilliant english gardens oh, yeah. oh fantastic to uh to those just listening on audio clive is holding up the brilliant <laughs> english gardens um yeah. could you give me a bit of info about what's in the book what sort of inspired you to make it
0: why we should go and buy it Yeah, I wanted to do a book, actually, that um, was mainly photographs, uh, not too much text, and and was a sort of visual um, sort of tour de force, if you like, of the the gardens of England. Um, So each garden has about 15 or 20 pages on it, which is unusual. You know, most, most books, they'll do probably four or five pages on one garden and then move on to something else. But this one, I just wanted it to be page after page after page of glorious sort of shots, you know, so you could literally just kind of immerse yourself in it. So there's, I think there's about 20 gardens there, all, like I said, with 16 pages. So it's a huge book. It's 320 pages. Um, um, And I've just started another book on flowers, which will be amazing. That's coming out uh, this Christmas, actually. Snowdrops and hellebores and wisteria and things like that just glorious photos of them with with descriptions and it's a
1: snowdrop is one of my favorite flowers i particularly enjoy uh galanthus grumpy i think it's called which is a snowdrop okay, yeah. with a oh. little frown on its face which i was yep. actually first sort of came across when i was working in country life back in the sub-editing days <laughs> and i was grumpy. told to caption this grumpy flower up and i was like what's it called and the den gardens editor catherine bradley hole was like it's called Galanthus grumpy, and I'm like, wow, okay, so you know, <laughs> it's not it's not too difficult to figure out this whole naming convention in flowers. It's just sort of say what you see, kind of thing. Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: know you, you get a bit of a galanthophile. Eh? Uh, I
1: wouldn't say like I wouldn't say I'm a sort of uh, a great knower of all things snowdrop, other than that I know they're called galanthus and galanthophiles are a thing. But yeah, I just I, I absolutely detest the winter. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, I guess the snowdrops great feet as being that first plant to sort of break through and say listen man it's this doesn't go on forever you will see the sun again it's time to put the vitamin d tablets down um the cricket season's just around the corner so that always cheers me up Yep, me too i guess i guess it's one of those things that i i i like the snowdrop more for what it stands for necessarily than the flower itself although i do like the one with the little frowny face
0: on it because i just think that's quite funny it is funny it's witty yeah i shall have to put but I have to put that one in my book, won't I? Yeah, yeah, please do. Put a shot please of that you. grumpy neck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're sort of towards the end of our chat here, so just one more question. You you spoke right at the beginning about how when you sort of first started doing your garden photography, you didn't really know a whole heap about flowers. I knew nothing about it. Nothing. <laughs> Literally well, nothing, yeah. But I'm assuming you, you know a bit, a, few, a thing or two now.
0: I would hope so, yeah. yeah. One of, One of the reasons, I think, is because of my photo library... Yeah, um, because I've got about 120,000 pictures in there, and they're all captioned. Yeah, quite accurately. Yeah. Obviously, over the years, I've picked up a lot of knowledge, you know, and I, I've because every time I caption them, I have to check them on Google and stuff and make sure I spelt the name right and everything. So it kind of goes in, you know. It's a great way of it's a great way of learning plant names. And yeah. So I suppose yeah. now I am quite knowledgeable. Yeah, and people love pointing out when you make mistakes as well. That's one
1: of the joys of journalism. Oh, wonderful, isn't it? Especially with snowdrops. Yeah, I bet,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you make a mistake there. You're in big trouble. I'll come after you. So yeah, I <laughs> yeah. guess my,
1: my final question is, you know, do you, do you find the time? How is your garden at home looking?
0: Well, luckily, I live in a little cottage hmm. in Warnington, um, and I've got a little gravel garden out the front, which is quite low maintenance. I mean, often it looks hideous, but if I spend a bit of time on it and print it up, it, looks, it can look quite good. Um, and there's a quite a few containers out there. So when I plant, you know, if I plant those up, it, it looks okay. Um, but it's also a sort of lock up and go sort of place because obviously I'm on the go a lot. Um, my car's actually done. I've got I've got a a Golf actually, and it's done four hundred and forty thousand miles. Believe it or not, oh, wow. my car since two thousand and ten. There we go. We'll be ringing up Volkswagen for some sponsorship money yeah. after that people can't believe it so you know i'm 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 traveling around a lot obviously um particularly during the summer so i have to i have to have somewhere that i can pretty much lock up and lock up and go so it's it's low maintenance my garden
1: very good so we can add that to the list of tips be patient yeah pick the right time of year uh pick the right light and drive a volkswagen golf
0: (laughs) there you go that's it (laughs)
1: i think that's a great place to finish up clive thank you so much for joining me today it's been a really really engaging chat and i've learned heaps about garden photography and you know i always like to learn how the sausage is made if that makes sense (laughs) um there will be details about clive's book his website his classes in the show notes um and with that i'm just going to say thank you very much again clive and thank you for joining us
0: no thanks very much it's been great fun
1: And thank you very much, dear listener, for tuning in. Uh, I will be back next week. So thank you very much and goodbye.